0: Welcome to Valley 101, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com where we answer the questions you ask about Metro Phoenix. I'm your host, Kayla White. In this episode, we're exploring a piece of Phoenix history I never knew. A listener named Javier from Maryville submitted this question.
1: I was looking up information on New York City and in Los Angeles, and I've been, me and my wife, have been wanting to travel to those cities and- Notice that they, they have uh, Chinatown and, and New York has like a little Italy. Um, why doesn't uh, does Phoenix have a, have a Chinatown or, or a little um,
2: Italy?
0: Neighborhoods like that are often called ethnic enclaves. Has Metro Phoenix ever had one? I was surprised to learn the answer and to find out how it relates to today. I think you will be too. All right, let's go. chances are, if you've been a tourist in a big city, you've probably spent time in an ethnic enclave. Like in San Francisco, there are walking food tours that start in Chinatown with dim sum and end across the street in Little Italy with cannoli.
3: Welcome to Chinatown, ladies and gentlemen. We are right under the arches, of If you want a mini vacation, you don't want to spend much money, just go to your local Chinatown. You're in another world. San
0: Francisco Chinatown is the oldest Chinatown in America. There are people here who are fourth and fifth generation Americans. How did these so-called ethnic enclaves develop? Well, the short version is that the US is a country of immigrants. For centuries, as immigrants have arrived, they've settled together in neighborhoods that preserve their home culture within their new city. Sometimes it was for comfort or convenience, a way to ease into a new life, but it was also for security and safety. Ethnic enclaves provided a refuge from anti-immigrant hostility. Millions of immigrants came to the U.S. in the 1800s and early 1900s, often settling into enclaves in big cities like New York, Boston, Philadelphia, and Chicago. But Phoenix was pretty small back then. For example, in the 1890s, there were more Italian immigrants living in Boston's North End than there were people living in the entire city of Phoenix. So, did we ever have an ethnic enclave in Phoenix? Yeah. We had one, or well,
3: two. As far as the Chinese community goes, there were two Chinatowns.
0: That's Kevin Waite with the City of Phoenix Historic Preservation Office. He has spent decades studying Phoenix's historic property. He said Phoenix has never had a Little Italy or really any other ethnic enclave, just our Chinatowns.
3: We, we never had the numbers, you know, like other places do, you know, like San Francisco, Los Angeles. Um, We didn't have, you know, as many people here during the late 19th century, early 20th century as some of the other cities did.
0: Due to segregation, Phoenix did develop distinct neighborhoods with high Black or Latino populations in the early and mid-1900s. I explored that a few episodes back. But that's not the same as ethnic enclaves, which have a high concentration of people of one ethnicity or nationality, not just a certain race. So what were our Chinatowns like? Chinese people were the first Asians to immigrate to the U.S. and to Phoenix in large numbers. The first influx of Chinese people to Arizona was in the late 1870s and 1880s, when many came here to work on the railroads or to get away from racism that they faced in California. Americans blamed their economic problems on the Chinese workers. Despite that, Chinese immigrants opened grocery stores, restaurants, laundries, and boarding houses near Adams and First Streets in downtown Phoenix. That was our first Chinatown.
3: And it only lasted for a few years before many of the surrounding Anglo merchants decided they didn't like the Chinese presence and wanted to move them further out of the downtown area.
0: Americans' dislike of Chinese people grew stronger, especially when the federal government passed the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882. That banned Chinese workers from immigrating to the US. I found an 1895 article in the Arizona Republican that referred to Chinatown as a, quote, noxious nest and said, quote, the quarters, which have long been a disgrace to a civilized city, will be torn down. At the time, Chinese immigrants couldn't own property and they had no protection from eviction.
3: Um, The opponents put pressure on the white property owners to force the Chinese to move to the south part of downtown and they ended up in the area around Third Street and Jackson. And so there were about three, three, four blocks down there that became the second Phoenix Chinatown.
0: This second Chinatown flourished. According to the census, about 100 people lived in this second Chinatown of the early 1900s. I found other accounts that said there were maybe 200 or 400 people, but not more than that. Buildings in the area had restaurants, groceries and laundries on the first floor with boarding houses above them. Most Chinese people either lived in the boarding houses or inside their businesses. There was a China alley, halfway between Madison and Jackson streets. According to one 1920 article, there was a small Buddhist temple with a clean, dainty interior and soft red carpet. People filled the streets for New Year's celebrations. I don't want to romanticize it. It's also known that Phoenix's Chinatown was home to hidden opium dens. In my research, I was most surprised to find an article about Phoenix's Chinatown written by civil rights icon Booker T. Washington in 1911. He wrote about his recent trip to Phoenix. He said, quote, "Chinatown has a mayor. He is called Mayor Dick, and he seems to be the supreme authority in Chinatown. Whenever a Chinaman is arrested for a small crime of any kind, anything less than a felony, in fact, It has become customary for the police authorities to turn the man and his crime over to Mayor Dick. They have found that they could get substantial justice more surely and more conveniently in that way than they could by dragging the culprit into the ordinary police courts and going through the ordinary processes." End quote. Isn't that fascinating? Chinese people ran grocery stores on almost every corner. And there were many Chinese restaurants in the area that served both Chinese immigrants and Phoenicians, including one you might still recognize, Singhai Chop Suey House.
2: Oh, my name is Harlan Lee, and uh, I am or was third generation owner of uh, Singhai Chop Suey House. Well, uh, my grandfather started it back in the 1920s.
0: I asked him all about Singhai and his grandfather's role in Phoenix's Chinatown.
2: His name, his uh, Chinese name was Yuk Chung Yi. He came in search of a better life uh, to, uh, you know, to be able to help support his family.
0: He said when Singhai opened in 1928,
2: it was tiny. I mean, uh, it, it was a pretty. I won't say seedy, let's just put it this way, it was probably the ultimate greasy spoon. But, you know, I'm sure it had seating. it was probably pretty rustic, and uh, uh, <laughs> probably definitely no health department <laughs> inspections.
0: Chinatown began changing in the 1930s. As hard work paid off and more people started successful businesses outside of downtown, Chinese people moved out of Chinatown. And World War II changed everything. China was an ally to the U.S. during the war, which swayed public perception in favor of Chinese people. Then the Chinese Exclusion Act was repealed in 1943. Chinese people began assimilating and moving into the valley suburbs. Singhai endured, changing with the times. Development pushed it to a second location, near 3rd and Madison Streets in 1956, which Harlan grew up in.
2: Chinatown was basically abandoned. By the time I came along, to be honest with you, my grandfather and a handful of Chinese people were the only ones that were living in the downtown area.
0: Phoenix was segregated in the 50s and 60s. Minorities stayed south of Van Buren Street. Singhai, which was south of the line, served Cantonese-American food to a loyal clientele of Asians, Latinos, and Black people. Harlan took over in the 70s, and Singhai moved a third time in 1981 to make room for the sports arena. Other original Chinatown businesses and buildings were torn down, including China Alley. Eventually, Singhai was the only original business left. But after an incredible 90-year run, their building was sold and Singhai closed.
2: Well, we closed, our last day of business was September 30th, last year, 2018. And there were a lot of tears. It was great to see generation after generation. I was lucky enough to be able to see great-grandchildren who had said, you know what, my great-grandfather brought me, you know, you here when I was a kid, you know. And uh, so, yeah, that, it was great to be around so long.
0: Now, the only remnant of Phoenix's original Chinatowns is the Sun Mercantile building. It was once a warehouse for a prominent Chinese businessman Shin Tang's grocery business. But now it's home to a healthcare clinic. Our Chinatowns, like so much else in Phoenix, were torn down to make room for new development. But obviously, the Asian community didn't disappear. It's moved and changed. The fact of the matter is, right now, Asian Americans are the fastest growing major racial or ethnic group in the United States. We just don't have an obvious Chinatown-style area of Asian restaurants and shops downtown. Instead, like so much else in the Valley of the Sun, you just have to know where to look.
1: I am Tony C. I am co-owner of Snow Eye Shavery in downtown and uptown.
0: I met Tony in his Snow Ice Shavery, near McKinley and Second Streets in downtown Phoenix. He was busy prepping before Snow opened at noon for the lunch rush. Are you back there? Yeah, hi. Sorry, our front door is busted.
1: That's
0: okay. (laughs) Snow serves Taiwanese shaved ice. Blocks of flavored ice are shaved into paper-thin layers and served in a huge mound. Topped with a range of traditional froyo toppings like strawberries and fruity pebbles cereal, or traditionally Asian toppings like lychee and condensed milk.
1: But then we also serve boba drinks, very popular right now. You know, boba is like all over the place. Oh, uh, boba's cooking right now. <laughs> so we cook boba. We cook in small. We cook in small quantities, uh, just for the freshness value. And we always throw. We always toss away every four, four hours to keep it fresh. So we always have a fresh pot cooking every four hours.
0: As Tony says,
1: Being, opening up Snow Ice Shavery, is kind of, uh, it made an impact in 2013, being like the first Asian American dessert uh, to break ground in central Phoenix.
0: People loved it. Snow Ice Shavery took off, and now Tony is one of the most prominent Asian business owners downtown. It helps that the layered cups of boba and the big mounds of snow with colorful toppings are really Instagrammable. Asians are the original influencers, right, so we were taking pictures of our food before anyone else was. That's Tony's friend Vic Reed. He's the CEO of the Arizona Asian Chamber of Commerce. He and I talked while Tony flitted around Snow's Kitchen getting ready for the day. Tony and I really want to get the younger generation excited about Asian-owned businesses and our culture and our history that's been here for a long time. What are some of the specific elements of that past that you think are important to remember?
3: Food, food uh, ties a lot of our communities together, and it ties not only the Asian community, but all other communities.
0: I asked Vic where the Asian-owned businesses are now, apart from snow, of course, and he said Mesa. In the past few years, an entire Asian business district has popped up in West Mesa. It's huge, and it keeps getting bigger. But why Mesa? Believe it or not, it starts with technology. Technology. In the 90s and 2000s, the East Valley saw the development of technology corridors, with tech companies like Microchip and Intel and Chandler, and Arizona State University's Research Park in Tempe. So that attracted large number of highly skilled and highly educated people. That's ASU professor Wei Lee. She's an expert in the development of minority communities, focusing on Asian immigrants. Asian Americans and Asian immigrants are more likely to have a bachelor's or advanced degree than Americans overall, according to Pew Research Center analysis of U.S. Census Bureau data. So naturally, a lot of those highly skilled, highly educated tech workers who flocked to the East Valley are Asian.
1: And these immigrants, as well as domestic migrants, they are searching for newer community Uh, single-family housing with amenities, and they're also searching for uh, having good public schools for their children. So Chandler
0: become very attractive to many of these highly educated and highly skilled. The Asian community grew around the tech corridors organically. Now, Chandler has the highest percentage of Asian-American residents in the Valley at 10%, according to census data. It's what Professor Wei calls an ethnoburb, a new type of suburban Asian community.
2: I can say
1: definitely this is the ethnoburb. I would definitely say the East Valley because the concentration of these high-tech industry.
0: And of course, people there want a taste of home. First, Lely International Supermarket opened in Chandler in the mid-90s, catering to Arizona's growing Asian population. Then came Mekong Plaza. In the late 2000s, the intersection at Dobson Road and Main Street in Mesa was run down. Business spaces sat vacant until two businessmen turned a dilapidated target into Mekong Supermarket, the anchor of Mekong Plaza. When Mekong Plaza opened in 2008, fewer than 10 Asian-owned businesses were open in the area. But it attracted enough to fill the plaza and in turn its success drew even more development along the roughly two-mile stretch of Dobson Road nearby. Now there are 70 or 80 Asian-owned businesses in the area. Mekong Plaza and the Asian businesses around it are the hub for Asian Americans in the valley. I visited Mekong Plaza on a hot June day. The glass doors to the plaza slid open, and I was immediately grateful that dozens of the strip mall's businesses are connected by an indoors, air-conditioned plaza. Kids slid coins into machines dispensing toys. A white statue of Buddha stood at the entrance to Mekong Supermarket. That's where I met Stephen Deep. Nice to to meet you. Stephen is the property manager for Mekong Plaza.
1: When, When you come to Mekong Plaza, It's pretty much like a big food court, you know? So you come in, you can choose between Thai, Vietnamese, Chinese, Filipino. You can choose between dumpling noodles. There's a a barbecue rice uh, um, restaurant.
0: There's also a dentist office, gift shops, an insurance agency, a hair salon, and my personal favorite, a Thai massage place, all in the plaza. Stephen took me on a tour of the supermarket.
1: Coming in here, this is the meat department right here.
0: This is, this is like the longest meat counter I've ever seen. Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. Definitely beats like Safeway and, uh, you know, Albertsons.
0: Mekong supermarket is known for two things. One is its seafood. There's the usual shrimps, scallop salmon. But there's also a tank with live largemouth bass, tilapia, Dungeness crab, and razor clams. The other thing Mekong is known for is the produce.
1: So, yeah, as you can see, we got a lot of stuff in here so it can can get uh, overwhelming.
0: It's probably one of the only places in Arizona where you can buy frozen durian, which is known for being the stinkiest fruit in the world. There was a pile of fresh whole jackfruit, each the size of a fat baby. We sat down in front of a small snack counter located right in the produce section to talk about Mekong's role as the center of a new Asian business district. Mekong Plaza and the area around it are doing so well that the city of Mesa is considering developing it more, rebranding it and even renaming it.
1: Some people wanted to call it uh, call it Chinatown. Some people wanted to call it Asi- Asian town you know because they didn't want to just single they, they didn't want to just like single out just Chinese you know so they didn't want to just say Chinatown but so some said oh Asian town.
0: And the valley's Asian population will keep growing. Asian immigrants are projected to become the largest immigrant group in the country by 2055. ASU is home to more than 13,000 international students from more than 130 countries, the most popular being China, India, and South Korea. The East Valley, and Mesa specifically, are the new centers of Asian life and business in Metro Phoenix. It's not an ethnic enclave. Instead of urban, it's suburban. It's not just Chinese, it's international. The people who live and go there aren't forced to by poverty or racism, and they're not reduced to a caricature of their people. Instead, it's a place for an international Asian community to be celebrated right in the valley. Do you do you think about it in that way at all? That it's kind of a new Asian enclave? Uh,
1: yes, I definitely do. Um, I think this is like the only place in like in Arizona where you can where you just walk in and then you just you know everywhere you look is Asian. You know, um, it's, just, it's just like so much diversity in the Asian culture here. So I'm from San Francisco, so that's like a common a common thing for me over there. You know, because it's mostly you know Asian populated over there. So uh, you know when I then when I come into Mekong Plaza, it's it doesn't feel any different. You know.
0: So, did you know Phoenix had a Chinatown? And are you, like me, now planning to get dumplings and boba at Mekong Plaza this weekend? I hope so. Let us know how your trip goes by tweeting us at Valley101pod. If you have more questions about business or culture in Metro Phoenix, submit them to us at valley101.azcentral.com. And if you're a new listener, remember you can go back and listen to old episodes. If you enjoyed this one, like I said, I bet you'll like a recent episode on segregation. As always, thank you for listening to Valley 101, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. All right, thanks for listening. See you next week.